thanks for pressing play. This is Christopher Lockhead, Follow Your Different. And if you're new, I want to say thank you for giving us a try. This is a podcast, or should I say oddcast, where in a lot of ways we explore the road less traveled. Uh, We examine the different paths that people take to design a legendary business and a legendary life. And we're for people with curious minds, for people who enjoy a fun, powerful, insightful, sometimes silly or even prosperous (laughs) conversation. If you're going to have a podcast, you should really learn how to talk. Our goal is to go far beyond the traditional business podcast. Um, We don't specialize in quick tips or tricks or soundbitey, clickbaity things. Our goal is to have real conversations with some legendary people that you already know and some legends hopefully you'll love getting to meet for the first time. Uh, We do not edit or produce this um, podcast. That is to say the conversation that you hear with our guest is the conversation that happened. And um, our hope is that you have an eavesdropping experience. And that's different than the traditional interview show. In a traditional interview show, you know there's a professional host. You know the guest is um, driving their three media train talking points. uh, And so you always know you're listening to a show. Our hope is that you forget that here, that you have an eavesdropping experience during the conversation, uh, an experience that draws you in, hopefully an experience you want to share with others. And what our long-term listeners tell us is that if you listen throughout, at some point during the conversation, you'll notice that you shift from having an eavesdropping uh, feeling to actually feeling like you're in the conversation, And uh, that's really cool. And I hope that's the experience that you have. And that's the experience um, we want you to have. Now, on this episode, this is our fourth in our four-part series on marketing. With a man I respect and admire tremendously, he's the guerrilla warfare secret weapon of Silicon Valley advertising and marketing. He's a master sensei. His name is Rick Bennett. And Rick is the is most famous for creating many of the early ads for both Larry Ellison in the early days of Oracle, and later on Mark Benioff in the early days of Silicon, uh, excuse me, of Salesforce. And throughout Silicon Valley, Rick is really known as the entrepreneurial startups uh, secret weapon. And I had an opportunity to work with Rick early in my life as a Silicon Valley CMO, and man, he taught me a lot. And uh, I think he's going to teach you a lot in this conversation too. We're sponsored by the good folks at Oracle NetSuite. Learn how to turbocharge the growth of your business today at netsuite.com slash different. And while you're there, you'll be able to set up a free one-hour growth review uh, with an expert in your industry. That's at netsuite.com slash different. Also, I want to say, if you're a regular listener to this podcast, from the bottom of my heart and everyone involved, uh, we want to say thank you very much. Now, hey-ho. Let's go. I just recently reread your uh, niche down. Oh wow! And, Thanks, uh, Rick. I'm honored. No, you 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 have all kinds of. Uh, uh, I would refresh. I'd rephrase a lot of your advice into other one-liners that I use with my clients, but uh, we're kind of on the same wavelength there. 
Well, listen, I've got to acknowledge you. I mean, you're a master and you taught me a lot about, um, you know, one of my favorite expressions. And I, I probably stole it from you is uh, I like to do marketing that causes emergency board meetings and CEO firings at my competitors. Uh, you know, uh, I, I, uh, I like that a lot. Um, <laughs> in fact, uh, I'm kind of a one trick pony. Uh, uh, all I know you're, like, to- you're like ACDC, right? That, you know, ACDC, the heavy metal band. Yeah. Yeah. Every song is exactly the same. They've never done a ballad. They're, they they do the best. They write the best songs about how awesome rock and roll is, right? A lot of their songs are love letters to rock and roll, but they are exactly like Rick Bennett in that it's always the same: guitars, bass, drums, and a heavy vocal, and it's always fast, and it's the same format, and it's fucking great every time. Well, we we uh, we've changed technology though. Um, it used to be that. Uh, when Allison would say, gee, let's write an ad and if we'll run it. And if somebody responds to it, we'll go build the product. Um, now uh, we can test our messages on a daily basis. I've got a couple of stealth uh, clients I'm under NDAs on. And uh, I- I'm running some, some uh, spook websites. And we test our messages, and I do one message a day. And for the last 91 days, I've seen what works and what doesn't work. And then I transmit that to the client. Wow. So, I mean, you know, you are one of the, um, I would call you, you know, this expression, OGs, the original gangsters of, uh, you know, you're, 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 you're a modern day technology ad man, you know? Um, well. Unfortunately, the, the, it's politically incorrect what I do. So uh, it's, it's the, the CEOs that I can find are few and far between that uh, have the guts enough to really go after their competition. It's not politically correct these days. Yeah, everybody wants to be nice. And, and, and you, you do. I, I, remember, um, I remember so many of your sayings. You had a website back in the day and you, you wrote this copy. And if I remember right, you'll, you'll check me on this, Rick. It said something like, my ads will attack your competition like a pack of, of, of wild, crazed wolverines or something along those lines. Speed crazed wolverines. Speed crazed wolverines. And, and actually, I actually stole that from Hunter Thompson. Uh, that was one of his expressions. So what's, let me make sure I get it right. What's the expression exactly? Uh, my ads will attack like a pack of speed-crazed wolverines. Oh, yeah. I love that. And, uh, and uh, the, uh, the, the other thing that, the, you, you emphasize this and niche down, but I call it Ellison's Law. And Ellison's Law states that you are not allowed to say anything that one of your competitors could say. Any time in it, any on, on the website and email anywhere, and uh, so I insist on, on enforcing that with uh, with my clients too. So let me get this one right because this is really good. Ellison's law says you're not allowed to say anything that one of your competitors could say. Wow, I think a lot of marketing organizations would would have to fire themselves. Well. <laughs> That's that's that that's probably why uh, I've written a few ads that got me fired. Actually, yeah, uh, 
yeah, you've been fired a bunch. I, I so have I. Well, and, and lightning doesn't strike twice. I ran an ad in the Wall Street Journal once for Linux Care that said Linus Torvalds for president, the Wall Street Journal in San Francisco. It only cost $15,000. And we took over, we hijacked that trade show. Linus showed up and he spent all his time at the Linux Care booth signing copies of the Wall Street Journal ad. So we really hijacked that trade show. When was the last time that ever happened where the CEO or founder of a company was signing ads at a trade show? <laughs> well, I hoped lightning would strike twice. There's a company called Reachable and they were uh, at a booth at the uh, uh, Salesforce's uh, uh, conference. And so we ran an ad in the USA Today in San Francisco that said, Mark Benioff for president. And uh, by reachable and uh, Mark got so pissed off at them for uh, taking everybody walked up to Mark and said, Hey, are you going to run for president? And so uh, I, I didn't do any more work for reachable. <laughs> so Mark didn't have a sense of humor about it. No, I, I surprised me. Uh, I, I was, I was shocked, shocked. I say, cause you worked with him in the beginning of Salesforce. Am I, am I remembering this right? Yeah, I did all the pre-IPO advertising. In fact, that finally let me kill Siebel. We missed doing it for Vantive. But I ran the ads, uh, uh, Siebel, too little, too late. Or, and, uh, and then the, the big one was, I will not give my lunch money to Siebel. I remember that ad. <laughs> and uh, Bruce Cleveland, I saw him at a trade show once, and he said, when, when Tom saw that ad, he went completely crazy and never recovered. He would call publications and say, I will not advertise it in any publication that would run that ad. I mean, he just went crazy. And that's what we want to do, right? We want to make the competition crazy. That's, a, that's the point, right? Or at least part of the point. Well, actually, yeah, one of the goals of uh, guerrilla warfare is to uh, make the generals of the opposing army make mistakes. Uh, among other things, you have a lot of audience. Say that again, Rick. Your investors. You know, you don't want to have uh, 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 Monday morning blues or buyer's remorse on part of your investors. You want your customers to, say, to, to feel good. You want your sales force to be able to strut into the account and say, I'm with so-and-so. Did you see our ad? And they said, yeah, I've got it nailed to my door. <laughs> what, can you say exactly what you said off the top about distracting the generals? Okay, well, there are five rules. You've got to, you've, you've got to demoralize the uh, generals in the opposing army because then they'll make mistakes. Uh, you have your investors who you want to, them to go, hey, we got, we got a winner here. You've got your, your, your employees of the company who really want to feel like their, their, their boss is really kicking ass. You, uh, uh, you have the customers of that company who uh, you don't want buyer's remorse. You want them to say, hey, we got a winner here. And finally, you've got the sales force who you want them to strut into the account. The interesting thing uh, about what you're saying, you know, is I learned this early and certainly from you that um, you want to do the kind of marketing that has the field generals in particular at a competitor, so the sales organization, psychologically surrender the minute they know you're in the deal. Oh yeah, it, caused, it puts them on the defensive. Uh, at Oracle, we, we ran an ad when uh, 
Digital Equipment Corporation was about to give RDB away free with every Vax computer, and that was Oracle's bread and butter. We ran an ad saying, uh, you wouldn't want RDB even if, even if it were free. And it and uh, digital went completely crazy and finally turned turned the RDB over to Oracle to sell. Isn't that incredible? It, it, it put them on the defensive. The sales force went on the defensive. Yeah. And the other thing is if you can do marketing and advertising, that means that you, um, and I'm going to use this word on purpose, disrupt the Monday morning or Monday afternoon executive staff meeting on a very regular basis, right? Uh, absolutely. This is thing, this is, you know, not to get political, but you know, our, our, our president is a master at this and the Democrats take the bait every single time and he's always the subject of the uh, conversation regardless of what it is. Well, uh, and, and that has worked a negative for him, unfortunately. They're, they just want him out of there. There's a visceral hatred and so it can backfire on you. It certainly backfired on me. Uh, How's uh, it backfired on you, Rick? Like I say, I, I tried to run Mark Benioff for president, and uh, he was very unhappy. The client didn't do well because Mark was pissed off at them, and uh, and uh, so they uh, they never asked me to do anything for them again. On the other hand, I, I've had more successes than failures doing that. You're, you're familiar with a company called Akamai? Yeah, of course. Please, if I'm ever, if you ever have a client that is doing a Miami uh, convention, we can hijack that by running two billboards in the Miami airport. It reaches 100% of the arriving passengers. And so I ran an ad with a, a claw mark on, on the ad, and, and it just said, we give AkamaiNightmares.com. You can go to that website today for uh, Instart Logic. And it was for the Akamai annual users meeting. And everybody <laughs> went into that meeting going, hey, did you see this ad? And uh, the Akamai executives went completely crazy. And the, the, uh, uh, the web traffic to uh, Instart Logic just exploded by people going to that and saying, who in the hell would run this kind of an ad? Well, see, and I love that. And, and, you know, to get back to the, 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 the whiff on the Benioff idea, I would have thought, you know, Rick, you've been doing this a long time. You're a master sensei at this. Um, that those sort of misses, or I wouldn't even say it was a miss, if Benioff had had a sense of humor about it, it would have had a completely different outcome. And so I guess my point to you would just be like, you know, some of yours aren't going to land. They're not all going to land. I mean, you're, you're, you, you've got an atomic weapon, you're blasting it off at people, and some, sometimes some shrapnel is going to get in the wrong spot. <laughs> now, didn't you write in one of your uh, LinkedIn posts, though, that I, I'm sure it was you, and I may have commented on it, you learn more from your failures than you do from your successes? Absolutely. And I'm, I'm not so sure about that. I, uh, I find my failures... Uh, uh, get on my nerves a little bit. I hate to think about them, but you have to, to do some introspection. You know, that may be too trite of a saying, uh, you know, now that you push back on it, because I certainly, um, you know, I've learned a lot from failure. I've learned a lot from bad managers and bad leaders, but the truth is you do learn a lot from winning. And in particular, 
you learn a ton. Like it's one thing, you know, people say they quit a job or whatever and they go, oh, yeah, my boss was a real asshole. He taught me everything not to do. And, you know, there's some value in that, right? But the truth is when you work for a legendary leader and manager and you see them in action all the time and you're on a winning team and that team wins big time, you learn a shit ton from winning and in particular from being around the leaders who are architecting the win. Indeed, indeed. Now, there's another saying that I absolutely disagree with, and you didn't say it, but I keep hearing it. It says, if it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. And uh, no, if it doesn't kill you, it could cripple you for life. It could turn you into a quadriplegic, could give you a brain tumor. I, you know, uh, that, that's another saying that, uh, that I'm simply not buying off on. Yeah, if you chain smoke for 30 years, it might not kill you, but <laughs> you might not be able to breathe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You might not be able to walk up a flight of stairs. Yeah, yeah. No, there's a lot of those things that are that are um, sort of just stupidities that, that we repeat. Um, so I'm curious, um, roughly, do you know, Rick, how many companies you've worked with over the years, just in a round, round numbers? Probably... I have a copy of every ad I've ever done for any company I've ever worked with. And I figure I'm, I'm talking 200 companies maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm not surprised to hear that. Now I'm curious, I would assert to you that it takes um, a tremendous amount of courage for a CEO, a CMO, an executive team to run a Rick Bennett ad. I'm, well, what I do, what I, I, since I, I live here on a, on a mountaintop in Utah, I, I, I don't dress up and go to meetings. Uh, we, we have, uh, you know, web, WebEx uh, conversations on the phone, and I do stuff by the, uh, uh, with email. But my, often my emails say, you better be sitting down before you open this ad. And I give them three approaches. I give them a conservative, let's be, let's be nice approach. And it's not a straw man either. I mean, I really do. I, tr I really try hard to, to do like uh, Coca-Cola does with, I'd like to buy the world a Coke, you know? Um, yeah. No, will you actually write a nice ad for somebody? Well, I, I, pro I provide three. Then the next one I do is a little edgy. And this one, it appears to be high risk, but it truly isn't. And the, the other one is a tactical nuke. And, um, in fact, I, I had a guy who runs the Wendover airport. Uh, they have a Wendover airfield in Wendover, Utah, where they built the atomic bomb. They, they loaded the, the atomic bomb into the Enola Gay in, in Wendover, Utah. And so he said, we want to do a, a billboard because Wendover, Utah, it has no gambling. Whereas Wendover, Nevada, which is, across the state line but in the same town they have casinos and they got everybody visiting them and, and they're making a lot of money on tourism and so uh uh i did a billboard that got me fired uh they didn't run it it, it just scared the living hell out of them it uh i wrote um stop by windover and uh, find and answer the question should we nuke mecca this was right after the uh, twin towers went down and uh, they didn't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> really? I, I, I can't imagine why, uh, uh, Ricardo. <laughs> now, the question I've been dying to ask you since the last time we talked, so I have literally waited 20-some you know, years to ask you this question. 
Rick Bennett, does God still hate cowards? Yes. Yes, oh. God hates. In fact, uh, that, that, generally, that's uh, my, my problem is this. I only deal with CEOs. Whenever I deal with the lower-level Marcom people, uh, they always get jealous of my relationship with a CEO, and they also get jealous of the ideas I come up with. So eventually, it never ends well. And, uh, and, uh, and so sometimes when the CEO says, well, my marketing team has a little problem with this, um, I say, well, God hates cowards. Uh, you're, it's your decision, man. It's your company. <laughs> I just love it. And I love that for so long you had it on your website. Um, and so my website, is more, is, my website is more HTML5 now where I can have billboards and stuff. Yeah, I think your new website is cool. Uh, I just, you know, I have your old website from 1996 in my head. And I, yeah. I, I wish I had it somewhere because it, it's just, it, your website from that era is just one of the greatest websites of all time. The copy on it is just fucking, and you know, the way you would, it, it's brilliant. Actually, I think you should turn it into a book because what I loved about your old website was for each ad, you really put it into context. This is what was going on. This is the competitive situation, whatever, whatever it was. So you put it into context and then we did this and then that happened. Like what was the one you did? I forget the name of the company now where you ran an ad to get a meeting with the CEO of a company they wanted to either sell to or do an OEM deal with or something. Oh, yeah. this? Uh, uh, and it was like a letter to the CEO of the other company about why they actually uh, what you this is this is a good tactic and it still works you uh, go to the kinko's fedex in that town and you do you print out an ad on a three foot by four foot foam core and it's from your client ceo to the other client ceo in fact i did one uh, to uh, tom siebel uh from a guy named steve d'angelo who had uh, a particular marketing niche and we had it done in Pleasanton, California. They delivered it on a Monday morning because that's when most of the execs have their, their sales meetings or their management meetings. <clears throat> and they delivered it right to Stiebel. And he had his people get on the phone and say, get on an airplane with your M&A people and come on out here. We want to buy you. Now, the company eventually got acquired, but, but not by Stiebel. It turns out they didn't quite have technology that, that linked up with Siebel. But uh, I've done that a couple of times. In fact, I had a client. And so this was like a protest kind of a billboard? I want to make sure I understand it in my head. No, it was just it, it, that president, I, I, I photoshopped him shaking hands with Tom Siebel saying, and this is an ad we'd like to run on the Wall Street Journal. And, you, put it, and you printed it out on this big billboard and you had a big On a foam core, yeah, three foot by four foot foam core. Now, I recently. Delivered to his office. Absolutely. And I recently, how do you get through to the uh, 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 search brand at Google? I had a guy uh, wanted to be president of the United States in the last election. And so he, uh, he's really an intellect in finance. And uh, unfortunately, it just wasn't in the cards. Nobody consider it. But uh, we did an ad that we run it to run in the Wall Street Journal with him being endorsed by Google uh, as having a way to avoid to eliminate all income taxes and still eliminate the national debt. And uh, so we sent it to Surge, Surge in, uh, at Google, and he actually called the guy and said, nobody ever gets through to me, but you got through to me. <laughs> <laughs> Here's what I found. 
Is that is that Alexa? Is she is she joining our conversation? I don't know why. Evidently, uh, um, somebody uh, I, I must have triggered Alexa. Oh, well, you, you uh, hey Alexa, <laughs> buy a hundred copies of Niche Down. <laughs> niche Down. There you go. There you and go. So, so I'm very curious, Rick. Um, in your initial conversations with a prospective CEO that you that you guys are looking at working together, um, because frankly, I've had this this whole this problem the whole time I've been an advisor, board member, you know, type guy. How do you pressure test that CEO to make sure that they have the courage to actually execute on a you know a speed craze Wolverine marketing strategy with you? Ah. Um, Malcolm Gladwell wrote a book, uh, and he refers to this as you create a self-weeding garden. And let me explain how a self-weeding garden works. If you get an email from Nigeria saying, my husband just died and I've got $25 million, I've got to get out of the country. And if you're dumb enough to respond to that, the people who get that email back know that you are a likely prospect because you're dumb enough to actually respond to that email. And so what I do, I, I, I don't pull any punches with the self-weeding garden. I refer the executive to my website, and I go through the ads one at a time and explain what the stakes were, why it really wasn't as high risk as it appeared to be. But I, I then uh, ask him, uh, 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 do you have guts enough to do this, or are you a chicken shit? And you use those words, don't you, Rick? Well, not I, I'm not not chicken shit, but basically I, but I, I mean, say you make it. You're not God subtle hates, about it. I tell him God hates cowards. You can't be subtle because I can't be something that I'm not. In fact, I saw something on the internet, uh, uh, LinkedIn today. It's don't try to be anybody else, somebody else, because he's already taken. You've right. got to be yourself. Yeah, yeah. That and and I want to go back to vetting clients and getting them to do this stuff because I think it's a fascinating thing. But but while we're here on that, you know, I've known you a very long time and I've admired you from the first time we ever, actually, I admired you before I met you when I first saw your website, I, I, I fell in love with you. And, and you are one of the people that I know in the world who is a um, truly, at least in everything I've ever seen from you, a hundred percent yourself and B that as a result of that, I've never met anybody like Rick Bennett. You know, I've met people who have similar qualities on certain dimensions or whatever, whatever. But so, so a, you're a hundred percent yourself and B you truly are unique. There's no other Rick Bennett. Well, you- I, I'm a one trick pony. That's, 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 that's my, my strength and my weakness. If somebody wants to do something, that's uh is boring uh, i kind of check out i don't even don't even approach it yeah but i'm very curious how you came to this place how did you become the rick bennett the master sensei of attack marketing um how did that happen a guy named Tony Schwartz uh, wrote, he, he created the TV commercial, the Daisy commercial that destroyed Barry Goldwater's presidential campaign back in 1966. And uh, I was the manager of special projects at Data General at the time. And 
Ed DeCastro, the president, said, okay, you're going to be on the committee that passes tax limitation in Massachusetts. And you're either going to get it passed or you're fired if you're a Talbot Data General. And so I said, okay. So I was smart enough or lucky enough to run into Tony Schwartz, who did that commercial. He represented every Democratic presidential candidate from Lyndon Johnson onward and, uh, and Jimmy Carter. and uh, he taught me guerrilla warfare. And I, then I got lucky. You, you know, it takes a little bit of luck. Uh, if I were to write a, uh, honestly, Christopher, I couldn't go get it. I couldn't go get a new client if my life depended on it. I wouldn't know how to do it. People call me and say, hey, I saw what you did for so-and-so. Uh, uh, could you maybe look at what we want to do? And, and all my old buddies that are have come up and they and they they used to be a junior G man for for Mark Benioff or Larry Ellison and now they're president of their own company. Uh, so I just got lucky. Uh, my first meeting with Larry Ellison was was a, a piece of giant luck. I didn't realize Larry didn't believe in advertising, and I said, "Well, Larry, you're an idiot." Now nobody talks to Larry like that. At least today they don't. Back then he. He looked at me and he says, uh, you want to explain that? <laughs> and I said, look, for $600, I can buy the front page of MIS Week magazine, a little box on the bottom of the uh, front page, and uh, I'll make the phone ring off the hook. And uh, he paid me $1,000 to write the ad, 600 to run it, and the phone rang off the hook and Larry became an advertising junkie, but he still likes that front page box. Every Thursday on the front page of the Wall Street Journal, you'll see him tomorrow morning. Well, then he was claiming to be number one, uh, this is now recent history, in CRM. And so I sent a note to Mark Benioff saying, Mark, this is crazy. You're number one in CRM and you're letting Larry get away with it. Mark said, I think you're right. So every Wednesday now, Mark is not only on the front page of uh, the Wall Street Journal as the number one CRM, but I just saw today he's on the front page of the New York Times, same ad. He's number one in CRM. Now Larry's... Larry's ads tomorrow will say we can cut your uh, Azure bill, your Amazon or your uh, Microsoft bill in half with Azure. Uh, so he, he quickly ran for cover. But that, that front page of the Wall Street Journal says you're there. You've arrived. Yeah, you, you, are, you are the man or the wool man, so to speak. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's very politically incorrect now these days. To say you're the man? Yeah, say you the man. Well, you can also say you the wool man. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, uh, that, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you write headlines and copy like nobody else in the history of advertising. And so if I was a young guy coming up wanting to carve out a, a niche and a path, I mean, Talk about niche down. I mean, you are the classic example of a legendary career niche down. And so you, you've missed the one key point on niche down that every one of your every one of your people did the same thing I did. I started out as president of my own company. I had my own idea, which was the Higoff voice dress analyzer. I, I I quit my job. I had 54 bucks in the bank. I had five prototype units and I went to the press and I said, Hey, how'd you like to borrow this unit 
And you can tell if somebody's lying to you just from their voice. And so, see, my mother always told me I was never prepared to work my way up an organization. I had to be president of my own organization. So I started at the top. And then I started believing my own PR. And I was on the front page of every, every newspaper in the country. I was, I was on all the TV talk shows, Good Morning America, uh, ABC's Today Show. And uh, I started believing my own PR. So I sold that company and ran for Congress and lost. And then Data General called and said, hey, we like the stuff you did for your company. How would you like to come and do advertising and PR for us? And that's what got me into the advertising business. And eventually I went to Silicon Valley with a computer startup and they failed. And then I got a meeting with Larry Ellison and started my own ad agency. Isn't the, um, I love sort of A, the serendipity of life and B, how people decide when, when for some magical reason, this door opens that they're like, yeah, I'm going, I'm going in there. Right. I mean, there's some pure dumb luck in that, but there's also some Rick Bennett going, um, I don't, I'm going here. I, there's a re- I, th- I see something over there. I'm going to go chase this. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's exactly what every, every winner that you talk about in Niche Down did. Nobody believed what they do, and so they went and did it anyway. Yes. And that's, that's because they're incapable of being anybody but the president of their company. I yeah. ran my company like Howard Hughes. I didn't have any stockholders, so I didn't have anybody to report to. Yeah. Of course, Ellison said uh, he got to be a billion-dollar company, and he said, Bennett, you got to go hire a bunch of guys. And I said, no, Lair, I'm a one-man. I'm the man who shot Liberty Valance. I will help you, I will help you uh, recruit a, a Silicon Valley ad agency. And I helped him recruit uh, uh, the guys from Chiat Day. Uh, and you know, then I never look back because, yeah, I've heard rumors that he still writes a lot of the ad copy himself. Do you have any idea if those rumors might be true? Definitely true. In fact, he sits there with Quark Express on his, uh, on his Macintosh computer and creates those Wall Street Journal ads. That's why you don't see very many uh, changes in those ads. Cause that's Larry writing that ad copy. Yeah. You've got to your that, that's the key to a CEO. The CEO is responsible for the messaging of the company. When I find a CEO that says, "Well, I'd like to get my marketing people involved in this," that's just the kiss of death for me. Isn't that interesting? It, was it? I can't remember if it was Hewlett or Packard, but uh, there's a quote attributed to one of them as saying, and I'm paraphrasing, but marketing is too important to be left to the marketing department. Uh, yes, indeed. Uh, I don't know who said uh, he, he. He's exactly right, though. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I talk to a lot of startup uh, founders, and they say, "Well, you know, we're gonna." They, of course, they want to talk to me about category design and marketing and branding and all the good shit, right? And they say, um, uh, "Well, can't we just hire a CMO to do this for us?" I Bad say, idea. Right. We can hire a CMO and there's certain things CMOs can do and there's some great CMOs and there's some not great CMOs and, 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 but don't be confused as it relates to what I would call the strategic stuff. Who who, who do you think the category designer is at Salesforce? Definitely Mark Benioff. Nobody else. The CMO of Oracle. Who was the CMO of Apple? Right. It was Steve Jobs. Larry Ellison is still the CMO of Oracle today. And I know there's a person there with that job, but 
on the strategic shit, he's writing the fucking ad copy. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it, it, we uh, live in an interesting time now. Uh, just the technology has changed, but uh, uh, like you say, my song is always the same. I, I, I always uh, attack the competitor. In, in fact, one of the greatest ads I ever did for Oracle was uh, We Kick Ask. Um, uh, we, I tell we, people uh, about that ad all the time as being one of the most legendary, influential ads. You know, people, of course, always refer back to the Apple 1984 ad. And I say, well, yeah, that's on the consumer side. That's a great ad. But nobody can touch Oracle kicks ask and takes names. <laughs> yeah. Well, not only that, but uh, I, I interviewed uh, uh, one of the guys when I was doing Forte's advertising. He was with Sandy Kurtzig when she heard that. She first saw that ad and he said she got so mad she cried. Wow. And then she made several strategic mistakes. First, she decided to buy uh, um, Informix. Yep. No, no. She uh, uh, um, Was it Ingress? Ingress. She decided Ingress. to buy Ingress. And then she pre-announced products she couldn't deliver, and it killed her quarter-to-quarter -quarter profitability. And so she went on the block, and she was purchased by Computer Associates. And then Larry Ellison's comment was, well, Computer associates, every 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 ecosystem system needs a bottom feeder. Yeah, the other one I used to love about CA in the old days was it was it was the retirement home for old software, <laughs> like where old yeah. software goes to die. Uh, absolutely. No, what I tell uh, uh, my startup clients, uh, and, and I I really deal exclusively with uh, startups. There are a few exceptions. Ring Central uh, occasionally comes to me and asks for work, and but. Uh, I tell them I'm the cheapest game in town prior to the IPO or a liquidity event. And I'm the most expensive game in town afterwards. And what that means is I don't charge very much for my time, but I get 1% of the company uh, with a one-year option. They can fire me after 11 months and it doesn't cost them a single share of stock. But if they get acquired or go public, suddenly we're all laughing our way to the bank and I made a lot of money. And that worked with Oracle, it worked for Salesforce, worked for... Uh, uh, Intralinks. Uh, we ran a billboard outside Oracle, uh, which was very, uh, very successful. And um, so my seven seventy cents a share stock sold to the P, uh, uh, TA Associates in Boston for thirty seven dollars a share. That was a terrible day in the Bennett household, I imagine. Oh gosh! <laughs> well, I, 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 of course, I went out and bought a new Mercedes Benz, but had uh, a boy. What do you, what do, you do? So if I was a younger guy coming up and I said to you, Master Bennett, Master Sensei Bennett, um, what do I need to learn about writing copy and headlines that attack like speed-crazed speed wolverines? Actually, uh, today it's easy. First, he has to have a product he can sell. Now, maybe he's got a brother-in-law that invented something or... Uh, uh, maybe he's got a, a friend who's an engineer who, who has lousy people skills, and so he gets that friend to build something for him. And then he simply goes on social media. And you can test everything, and it doesn't matter if it works. Uh, you'll eventually converge on something that does work. And so you just converge, and you can do this instantly, like you can test 20 ideas in an afternoon and see what response it brings and uh, social media. I don't think people understand the use of social media. They certainly don't understand the use of LinkedIn or Facebook 
they're trying to do too much with them. But if you want to test how an idea flies, that's where to test it. And you get immediate feedback. And then you'll become uh, the Howard Hughes of your own uh, of your own dreams. You'll be a legend in your own mind. <laughs> and it doesn't cost really, a fortune. Which we, we really, really, that's what we aspire to be. <laughs> um, why do you think, what, what do you mean, maybe sort of unearth a little bit, Rick, what you mean about uh, your feelings about people getting social media so wrong? Um, I have yet to see anybody who's making social media getting a return on investment from their social media. And the, and in fact, uh, I would say social media is really playing money ball for real. And you know, the movie money ball. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. If you live on data, you, you live on, on, on a return, a return on your investment. Uh, but I can't see people, uh, uh, coming out with a product on social media and actually selling it. Nobody's getting a return on investment there. Uh, I have yet to see a company that has succeeded getting a return on investment on social media. Now, I might be living in a bubble that uh, that I'm wrong, and that's why I'm talking to you today. Have you seen anybody uh, get a return on investment from social media? Um, now you have a best-selling you have a best-selling book. You've got the, the top thirty podcasts, but you're working your butt off to make that happen, and and that's getting a return on investment from social media. If it's getting you new accounts, if it's getting you new consulting gigs, so, or if it's selling. So it's. I thought all this shit would have been figured out by now. You know, my first book came out three years ago. I started podcasting about two years ago. I thought you could just sort of you know, hire legendary book consultant, mark, marketing consultants.com. And then, and they would just, you'd just pay them and they would do this thing. And there would be this sort of social media growth hacking voodoo that they do that I don't understand. And like, that would be all awesome. And I thought the same thing would be true, Rick, with podcasting, that there'd be like podcasting, make your podcast a legendary hit marketinggurus.com and you would go there and they go yeah we've done this 25 other times and you do this growth hack thing and you do this guess what none of that none of that exists not a fucking none of it (laughs) and so guess what it's all the fucking same now are social media channels helpful absolutely do we get new listeners and new readers from social media for sure but um, there is no sort of best I can tell when I sit down with the biggest authors and the biggest podcasters and many of them have come on my podcast. And so I talk to them about exactly this stuff and there's things they do. You and I could have a conversation around, okay, with well, you know, these sorts of things tend to work on Facebook and these sorts of things tend to work on LinkedIn and, and you know, there are emerging templates and best practices and, and so forth. But here's the piece I don't think anybody's got. I think even with all this digitization, we can't say, hey, we did all this social media shit and it led to this revenue. And I think that's what people wanted was this closed loop thing. We can certainly know when they come to our website, right? And then, and then that starts the whole funnel process and we can track that. But what makes them come to our website? Yeah, sure. There's data around SEO and there's data around paid search and there's more data than we used to have for sure, but there's no template for um, how to make this stuff go on social media. And so to answer your question, 
Um, I think it's something we all feel like we have to do. Um, and yet I can't tell you, here's what I can't tell you. If we go and do these three things on social media, we don't know that's going to increase book sales or downloads of the podcast. Whereas if you, if you, if you said to me, Hey, we need to increase by a third, the number of deals in the pipeline for the sales force. I know how to go get that done in an enterprise business. Easy. Not hard. Yeah. B to B. But right, but in, in this B to C podcast author guy world, if you say to me, okay, let's let's uh, double the size of the podcast. I don't know how to do that, and no one fucking else does either. That's the that's the <laughs> now. There's some things, and, and many of those things are old school things. Like so, rule number one: build an email list. Stop telling people to go and subscribe on Apple and all these things. No, you want a direct relationship with them. So guess what? It's direct, it's direct marketing. Build an email list. You know, that's like, it's fucking direct mail on the internet. So that's, that shit's the same. So, you know, I guess it's a long answer, Rick. I, I think you have to do it if you're particularly, if you're in the kind of situation I'm in. But I think almost any kind of company or brand has to do it. And I think it's very hard to point to we did this and it led to this at the cash register actually you you did a ray lane and you probably don't even know it ray lane came out to my house in in, in utah he, he he with he, mark benioff was working for ray and so they came out to the house and we went out to the uh, s uh snowbird uh, lodge for dinner and uh ray said i just doubled my revenue from sap by one signature. And I said, what'd you do, Ray? And he said, I raised the prices for Oracle to SAP. <laughs> and uh, just one signature and that did it. Now they're not happy with it, but uh, that was the easiest uh, revenue I ever made. You did that and you're doing that with your book. When I logged on to uh, check your two books on uh, Kindle, they're 17 bucks a piece. You're not selling that 99 cent book. You're selling a $17 book on, 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 on Kindle. So yeah, you did a look, you know, I mean, you were one of the guys that taught me this. You could take a legendary bottle of wine, Chateau Neuf Super Ding Dong that cost, you know, five grand a bottle and you can take two buck Chuck and you can change the labels and a lot of people are going to say that the super ding dong is a piece of shit and that the two buck chuck is awesome, right? So the, the, the whole idea of perceived value is a very, very real thing. And there's part of me that wants to make those books available for the cost of production. I don't need to make any money off them. I don't give a shit. I want the ideas in the world. But at the same time, to your point, I know that if I have more control with Niche Down than I do with Play Bigger because it's self-published. But, you know, if, right. if Heather and I decided to make Niche Down 99 cents, that would backfire in terms of the objective of, of getting the ideas to spread powerfully in the world because people will go, oh, it's a 99 cent book. It must be a piece of shit. <laughs> well, you do a Bruce Cleveland. You were, I saw Bruce is going back to uh, Holyoke uh, or some college to get his master's degree. And, well, I know uh, he's been teaching at Babson, but I didn't know if he, I didn't know he. Yeah, I just, uh, I just sent him congratulations on LinkedIn. But if you go to uh, Stanford with a pile of niche down books and you give those out to everybody who comes to your speech, 
and you say, by the way, these are for sale at 17 bucks a piece, but that's a perceived value. Uh, I'm giving them to you guys because I want you to learn from them. Uh, that keeps your perceived value. Yeah, I mean, I'm happy to do those sorts of things for sure. Um, and I, and I, give the, I give the thing away all the time. Um, but um, I paid I, for mine. You what? I paid for mine. You want me to send you an autograph one, Ricardo? I'd love it because I, I, I bought the Kindle version so I could read it anywhere. All right. I'd well, love when we're done, uh, or, or maybe just email it. That way I won't fuck it up. Email me okay. your address. I'll send you an email. And I'm going to send you an autograph copy of, um, of uh, Play Bigger and Niche Down. Thank you. Absolutely. That would be my honor. I so, have a book behind me here, and I have one whole section devoted to, to books from people that uh, I know and love. Well, you're an incredible writer and reader, aren't you? Uh, yeah, I, I put away a couple of week, couple of yeah. novels a week. Not much nonfiction because there's not much nonfiction that's really worth it. Niche Down is an exception. That's a you know, Malcolm Gladwell and uh, and uh, oh uh, Levitt and Dubner. Uh, their uh, yeah, Freakonomics. Their uh, there, there are a few. There, there are a few people that really know what's going on and uh, the rest of them are gee how, how to run a more efficient sales organization <laughs> <laughs> i had one guy come to I, I had a client that i actually threw out of the house uh or a potential client he uh uh he came and said he's he was a neighbor he since uh, moved divorced and moved and he said i'm a life coach Help me increase my business. And I looked at him and I said, hey, I'll tell you what. Here's a great ad for a life coach. If you want a life coach, go to church. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Spoken like a true Mormon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, afraid so. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're, we're business coaches. We help people get from point A to point B in business. But uh, you want a life coach, go to church. Well, yeah, isn't that what a pastor or a minister or a rabbi or a priest or that's that was absolutely. that job, right? That's what that was for a long time, right? Yeah, absolutely. Only you had to earn your way to becoming a, a pastor or a minister. Um, you can just hang out a shingle and call yourself a life coach and away you go. No, actually, you you uh, you can become a pastor now just on the internet. They, they issue you a certificate. I got a guy down the street, his cousin wanted him to marry marry him to his second wife and so he said you know go get a certificate online and so pay 20 bucks he's now a minister and he actually married them it's funny that you say that because um i should know better I, i'm i'm minister in two different um <laughs> religious organizations um so the first one is um it's called dudism it's a religion <laughs> dudism dudism it's a religion founded on the teachings of the Big Lebowski. <laughs> and you can go to dudism.org. And I think if you promise to abide, um, you're a dudist minister. <laughs> and they even, for a nominal fee, Rick, they'll send you like a, a, a plaque and a credit card identifier thing and stuff. So, so, of course, I'm a dudist minister. And I have now married several people. But I come to find out that there are certain counties in the United States who um, don't recognize Dudism. And I didn't know there's this whole, 
Yeah, really. Why? Um, it's supposed to be, you know, you're supposed to be able to have your own, believe whatever you want in this country. They're, 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 they're um, discriminating me based on my religious beliefs. So it turns out there's a whole number of companies, churches, who exist to uh, essentially sell ministerships so that you can, in one case, I, it was uh, Rhode Island, uh, and one of them is called the Universal Life Church. And so I was, I was literally on the phone with the guy at the county going, so dudeism won't work? He goes, no. And I'm like, I'm Googling, and I'm going, okay, um, and Universal Life Church, does that one work? He goes, oh, yes, we see that one all the time. So I paid <laughs> 75 bucks. I have a credit card thing that identify. I, I even have a name badge that says clergy on it. Ooh, you the man, you the man. Me the man. But I'm more proud of being a Dudist minister. I think I represent that religion more than probably any other. <laughs> Dudism. There you go. <laughs> and uh, so what are you most excited about these days, Rick? You know, I, I have intergalactic dreams. I wrote a novel called Destroying Angel, which I've written a screenplay for, and I'm uh, currently writing a musical score. I'd love to see it become a Broadway musical. How, how's that for a, a small goal? Wow. I, I never thought this, you would want Destroying Angel to be it, but I guess there's all kinds of things that are unpredictable um, Broadway musicals. That, that sounds like a very cool idea. I, I, you know, doing that, I, uh, uh, I wrote a, a, a children's hymn, which I submitted to a contest, and I'm waiting to see if it gets put in the, the Mormon children's hymn book. Because uh, my wife and I used to teach uh, uh, five-year-olds. Do you realize that a five-year-old has so little life experience that anything you do with them is going to be remembered in the rest of their lives? Wow, really? And you can, you can affect an entire life, and you start with when they're five years old. And so well, that's one of the most enjoyable, enjoyable things I've done. So, I bet uh, kids love you. Oh, yeah. Well, they think I, they, they treat me like a jungle gym. I went and led some music because uh, uh, on Mother's Day so that the, the, the regular music leader could go to the women's meeting. And these two little girls were like treating me like a jungle gym. They would hold my hands. So they had to lead music with their hands because all I could do was sing. You know, uh, I don't know what it is. I guess I'm, I, I guess I'm only five years old in my brain. Yeah. Yeah. I relate to that. And I also got to ask you, I love this great, um, skull and crossbones behind you. Can you tilt your camera maybe so I can see the whole Let's thing? I've been, see. I've been really admiring it the whole time. How's that? Wow. That, and you know what I love about that? There's nothing fucking subtle about that at all. Right. <laughs> Well, this is this is a uh, how big uh, this, is that thing? It's probably five feet tall. Uh, I'll tell you the story behind it. How much does it weigh? Oh, it's it's made out of fiberglass, and so my wife and I oh, could carry okay. it in the house. I thought but, it uh, might be weighed like four thousand pounds, and you had oh, to have the. Oh, I used to I used to ride bikes with uh, Greg Miller. His family owns the Utah Jazz basketball team. They also own the Megaplex theaters, and Pirates of the Caribbean was playing in the theater. And I said, Greg, what do you do with that skull when the movie gets done running? He says, oh, we send it back to the studio. And I said, could I have it? And he said, sure. And so when I built this house, I built it. I built a stand for it into the wall, in the drywall. And so 
this was my den. Uh, th this is called the pirate cottage. I, I live up here on a mountaintop. I ride my bike down the mountain and back up it every day. And uh, that's why I can stay young and I don't want to have chronic health problems when I reach my golden years. Well, and you and, were uh, always really active. I remember you were always on a bike, weren't you? Yeah, back in night, I took it up in 95 and we met in 98. Yeah. And yeah, so, right, yeah, that, uh, it's, uh, it beats the heck out of dieting. Yeah, exactly. If you exercise a lot, you can eat way more. <laughs> way more, except in the winter. You've got to cut way back. <laughs> now, Rick, is there anything else you'd like to touch on? Man, uh, it's been a wonderful, uh, wonderful hour. I'm sorry it's over. Uh, oh, I, I would love to do it again. And uh, I got, I know a million podcasters who would probably love to have you on. I don't, have you done many of these? Uh, this is one, my one yeah. in a row. You're, you're I'm it. honored to be first. I'm, 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 I'm the virgin you throw in the volcano, man. <laughs> well, I, I don't want you to die in the volcano. So maybe I'm King Kong pulling the virgin out. There you go. Fay Ray and King Kong. Yeah, exactly. I know a bunch of other podcasters. I don't know if you want to do any more of these, but um, I think you're... Well, I, I, I'm just curious. Uh, you know, I, I, I get in touch with an old friend like you. Uh, it's, uh, it's well worth it. Uh, be glad to do it again with you. I, did, I, I, I had on my computer a whole bunch of weird, wonderful things that have done over the years, but the most wonderful are on my website anyway, and you've seen the website. Yeah, I do love the so, website, and I love the way you present the ads, and I love the way you pop up on the website, and it's very you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is true, that, and I try to live up to this. There is no business problem that can't be solved with one ad run one time in one medium if it's the right ad at the right time in the right medium. I have always remembered that you say that and I'm always looking for what's that one thing, you know, and we talk about it a little bit in, in both uh, play bigger and niche down. Like what you want is this before and after uh, experience, right? That once people see it, they can't unsee it and it, everything changes. And can you, that's this notion of a lightning strike is when you go to do that, bam, it happens. The other thing I always remember you saying is I spend my client's money for that ad. Like it's the last dollar, you know, the last dime they have, like it's got to pay off. Um, Absolutely. What, what, what did, tell me, remind me what you exactly used to say about that. There's something about that in my mind that I remember. Um, I, 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 I did one speech that I had early on my old website that basically what do you do with the last $30,000 your client has in the world? And if it doesn't make him a return on investment, he's out of business. Yeah. That's the mindset for everything you, you do. And, and I don't make, I don't, I don't make, uh, one of my buddies, Paul Pease wrote a, he, he, he burned down his ad agency and went back to college and, and uh, got his master's in uh, advertising. And he said, there's just a couple of reasons why ad agencies get fired. Number one is the client uh, is uh, the, the the client thinks that he's getting robbed when the ad agency makes commission on ad placements. Well, I make no commissions. I pass everything on to my client. The only commission I the only money I make is my creative fee and the stock I cash in. The other reason is that the the account exec the accounting team 
protects the creative team from that crazy client. Well, I am the creative team and I am the account team too. That's, that's the thing about being a one-man band. Now, if you hate my ad, you might hurt my feelings, but I'll go pout away and come up with something better. So well, you're not yeah. a coward, so you can take it even if you don't like it. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I, I haven't had to. I, I haven't had to say if you don't do this, I'll jump out the window. Luckily, I live in a one-story house, so I uh, that, that won't kill me. <laughs> but uh, uh, those, those I do those have are, one other question for you. Yeah. Um, how do you get a company, a client, a CEO to be courageous if they're having, you know, their knees are getting weak? How do you support them? How do you nudge them? What is it you do, Rick, that says, look, this, let, we need to do this. Let's go. You know, there are few and far between. If a guy's a coward, he's going to be a coward. He might hit. Uh, he might have uh, a board of directors that'll uh, uh, fire him anyway. Um, I, I try to get them to cowboy up and be a Larry Ellison or a Mark Benioff. You realize Mark Benioff spent 52% of every every sales dollar on advertising when he was building that company. I mean, he was so far in, in the hole, and, and yet he took over the market. He had a niche, and he, he niched down. Yeah. He created the cloud. You know, actually, this might be an interesting question for you. Uh, he did create the cloud. I think he deserves all the credit in the world for it. And I, I think he's unbelievable. I'm total, completely honored that he endorsed my, my first book. I mean, he, but I think he is everything that's great about entrepreneurship. I love what he does on the philanthropic front. I mean, he's just. Oh, yeah. Well, he's Larry Ellison with a conscience. Well, so this is what I wanted to ask you. You have worked with two of the most legendary, what I would call category designers, certainly innovators, certainly entrepreneurs. There's lots of laudatory labels that you could apply to both uh, Ellison and to Benioff. Um, but how would you compare and contrast sort of the, the old master and the younger student? I have predicted, in fact, I wrote an article, uh, uh, I, I did a video sent it to both Larry and Mark. I think Larry has always intended to bring Mark in and merge the companies and have Mark take over for him. Mark is the son to Larry Ellison's father. I mean, um, they're Luke and Darth Vader, aren't they? Not really. Uh, Larry, <laughs> Larry would like you to think that, but uh, Larry is a, a very a tender-hearted, decent guy. Uh, um, and a lot of his PR is uh, trying to machoize himself when, in fact, he's a, just a fairly decent guy and he's a shy guy. Yeah, and, and so Mark, I think, I think, I, I think it's only a matter of time. I thought it would happen on uh, on uh, actually May fourth. I sent them an, an ad. Uh, with a, 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 a marquee, it's on LinkedIn, with uh, May the 4th be with you, May 4th, Oracle, and called the new company Oracle Force. And I did the, the theater logo and everything on it. Uh, they didn't respond, and, and May 4th came and went, and uh, no acquisition, but I think it's only a matter of time. And you think it might actually be imminent, that this is the right um, transition for strategy for Ellison? Well, it is because together 
they have uh, the, the market cap on the two companies would be nearing a half a trillion dollars. I mean, that's getting up there to, to the Google Microsoft range. Yep. Uh, separately, they're still a long distance away. But I think together those companies could take over the world. Wow. And um, it's interesting, you know, you hear the other rumor that at the cocktail party discussion people love to have is um, Cook should acquire Tesla and Musk can be the new jobs inside Apple, right? That's the other cocktail party one. The thing that's really different about uh, your scenario is, of course, Mark studied under Larry for years at Oracle and they worked together closely and obviously... Uh, a lot of people forget this. Um, if I'm not mistaken, Larry was in the angel round and an early board member at Salesforce, was he not? Yes. And then uh, Mark reluctantly had to kick him off the board because he was competing with him. Yeah, you're not supposed to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> when I, when I, whenever I talk to Mark, I say... Uh, so why is it Larry acquired you? And he says, because I always want $20 a share more than Larry's willing to pay. Yeah. Yeah. And they've had that discussion over the years. And I'll bet Larry's sorry he didn't do it. It, it would be fascinating. And it would be an, uh, it would be an amazing way to uh, transition leadership um, at Oracle. Uh, you know, Benioff is, is, a, is a very young 50, right? Yeah. How old's Larry now? Is he in his mid seventies? Uh, I would say I think he's a couple of years older than I am. Yeah. So but, uh, I think Larry uh, he has other ambitions. I mean, a to Oracle, you Tesla mean? board, but to be his his son David and his daughter, uh, I think it's um, Melissa or Melanie. Uh, they're both Academy Award winning uh, film producers. I think Larry likes show business too. That's interesting. And I heard, I'm just checking. I heard that he, did he just buy a bunch of um, Tesla stock? Oh, I didn't see that, but I wouldn't be surprised. I, I heard that he sort of on the QT was, um, I could be totally wrong here. Uh, see if there's anything. Yeah, there it is. Um, oh, it wasn't that long. It was a while ago now, in January. Larry Ellison reveals $1 billion stake in Tesla. Makes sense. Yeah. Makes so. sense. I, I'm still waiting for that uh, uh, Tesla roof so I could put the roof on my house to be a sun, uh, the shingles all to, to, uh, to do the sun. <laughs> and then I'll, uh, I'll get an electric cars and, and never buy a tank of gas again in my life. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, Rick, anything else? Nope, you, you, you did it. Uh, count me in if you get bored and want to try something again. I always want to have you back, Rick. I, I admire you. I respect you. I want to thank you so much for teaching me so much. Uh, no, no, no. It, it's a mutual. I'm, I'm one of the few guys in the world that can, can plagiarize a good idea and run with it. And you've given me a couple. <laughs> Well, you've given me many and you also, you're one of those people early uh, in my career. You know, I was only 27 or 28 years old when I met you. Um, you were a shining example of what courage in business looked like. And it was like, hey man, 
if Rick Bennett can have those size balls, then maybe I can too. You know, it's easy easy to have courage with other people's money. We're the guys behind the scenes. If we make a mistake, we don't run our company out of business. I mean, you know, we we say, oh, gee, that bad bad news. <laughs> well, yeah, but you have the thing, you know, one of the phrases I don't like in business these days is personal branding. And the reason I don't like it is, is not so much that I don't like where the idea started. I, I don't like where it is, which is people contrive this image they want to put out in the world. And it's this very sort of, I don't know, I think it's very bullshitty social media, you know, contrived thing. Uh, you have what I think people actually want, which is a reputation. Well, that, and, and I don't try to be what I'm not. I, I'm just, yeah. you know, that's it. Well, Christopher, thank you. It's been a, an enlightening, it's been a high bandwidth hour, by the way. I like a high bandwidth discussion. As do I. And uh, it's just great to see you. Thank you so much, Rick. And All right, my friend. Please come back. Anytime. Let Thank me know. You, Bye. Yeah, there he is. The one-man marketing assassin himself, Rick Bennett. Now, uh, if you want to grow your business, our friends at NetSuite want to help you master your growth. Uh, as a matter of fact, NetSuite is the number one business management software for handling all aspects of your business, particularly for growth-oriented companies. And that's because NetSuite, NetSqueak, <laughs> if you're going to have a podcast, you should learn how to say the name of your primary sponsor properly. That would be NetSuite. <laughs> they grow with you from the garage to the IPO and beyond. NetSuite has powerful capabilities in the area of omni-channel selling to be able to sell across all digital and physical channels and unify them together. Uh, a lot of people don't know NetSuite has powerful CRM capabilities integrated deeply with finance, accounting, order management, and even AR. Over 16,000 high-growth businesses and even nonprofits use NetSuite to get on top of their numbers and to manage their growth. And now NetSuite is available to you and it's surprisingly cost-effective. As a listener to this podcast, NetSuite is offering you a free one-hour growth review with an expert in your industry. Why not take them up on that offer? Visit netsuite.com slash different. Uh, all right, and if you want to get a hold of us, you can find us on the interweb at Lockhead, L-O-C-H-H-E-A-D.com. And uh, you can check out my week's social media game. I'm at Lockhead on Twitter and um, Instagram and just Christopher Lockhead on LinkedIn. All right, we would like to thank the one, the only legendary Rick Bennett. And you can check him out at rickbennett.com or check out the show notes for this episode at lockhead.com. HarperCollins Instant Classic Play Bigger, How Pirates, Dreamers, and Innovators Create and Dominate Markets. Our good friends at nonprofit onelifefullylive.org where we help you dream, plan, and live your best life. Our annual conference is coming up in October in beautiful Long Beach, California. Go to onelifefullylive.org slash clockhead to find out more. The official coffee of this podcast is Verve Coffee Roasters in beautiful Santa Cruz, California. These folks are the leaders in craft West Coast coffee, and man, is it ever good. You can always find them at vervecoffee.com. 
uh, our friend, an amazing author, one of the most prolific authors on the planet, Dushka Zapata. Her most recent book is called You Belong Everywhere and Other Things You'll Have to See for Yourself. A couple of podcasts that I love, Culture Eats Strategy, with none other than the nicest man in podcasting, Jamie J. And if you work in the tech industry and you're like me, a little grumpy from time to time, then you got to check out one of my all-time favorites, Grumpy Old Geeks, with my friend Jason DeFilippo and his partner, Brian Schulmeister, wherever you get legendary podcasts. Speaking of uh, legendary you want to do legendary marketing and category design in the UK, check out my friends at positivemarketing.com. That's positivemarketing.com. If you want to drive legendary change in your business, check out my friends at the Flourishing Leadership Institute. There's a reason many of the top companies in America turn to Flourishing Leadership Institute to make big things happen. Check out Flourish. Uh, lead to flourish.com. That's lead to flourish.com. If you're an entrepreneur and you didn't grow in your business, why not check out my friends at growwire.com? It's what legendary entrepreneurial people are reading. And if you're in beautiful Australia, my friends at Rapid Media are there to help you do legendary marketing. Check out rapidmedia.com.au. And if you want to make a difference to entrepreneurs in the developing world, Check out nonprofit Kiva, K I V A dot O R G, where your uh, no cost, interest free loans to developing entrepreneurs make all the difference. Kiva.org. All right, I need to remind you that today's information is provided to you solely for informational purposes, and this podcast is the sole property of the Lockhead Oddcast Network. All rights do remain disturbed. Um, we need to warn you this podcast uh, is clearly not for wankers, it is highly flammable. Uh, be nice to your mother, support your local marketer. Don't forget to attack your competition like a pack of speed-crazed wolverines. Buy John's crazy socks. Tell two people you love about two podcasts you love. Uh, Don't be lame. Get out of the passing lane. Only buy pasture-raised, free-range eggs. Thank you, Candy Dandy. Love you, Mom and Dad. And hey, Colin, this oddcast really ties the room together, doesn't it? Today, our deepest apologies go out to Richard C. Kelly, chairman of Pacific Gas and Electric. Sorry, Dick, we just ran out of time for you. That's it, my friends. I really do appreciate you investing part of your life with us. It means the world to me and everybody involved. Uh, Until we're together again, stay legendary. And of course, follow your difference.